The Holy Spirit has come to make Jesus real to us and real through us. He comes to communicate the signal importance of Jesus Christ above everything and everyone else. Thanks for joining us for the Bread of Life. As you listen in today, we pray that the Spirit would advance this work in your life. Now here's our Bible teacher, Joel Van Hoogen. Genesis chapter 26 tells the story of Isaac returning to the region of promise that he had left and there finding that the wells his father had dug had been filled up with rubble by his enemies. Well, he began immediately to redig those wells and seek water in them. This is a picture of just where the Christian church and individual stands in need of revival life. We are in our day before a well that may potentially pour a spring of refreshing Christ-filling life upon us. But that well has rubble in it. And you can pray for revival, but if you're serious, you're going to have to roll up your sleeves. You've got to get down and get to work pulling the rubble out of the well. So this water represents the full benefits of our salvation. It represents the growing Christian in the green explosion and acceleration of what we call sanctified life. That is a born-again person growing through the different growth spurts of that new life. That's what sanctification is. We have a little children around here. They've got life. They're running around, and they're going to grow. And if you turn and look away for a little while, and you see them six months later, they'll grow quite significantly. If you look away for a couple years, you'll come back. They'll grow exponentially. They just grow. And they have moments in which they just seem to take off. All of a sudden, you notice how little children are. Our children worry that they're not eating enough food. Don't worry. When they need it, They'll demand it, we know. And so they don't eat for a while because they're not really in the growth phase. They're just kind of maintaining. And then all of a sudden, those little children start going to the refrigerator constantly. And they start eating and consuming. Within a couple months, you know why? Because they're busting out of their shoes, they're busting out of their pants, they're busting out of their clothes, they're growing. Well, that's how the Christian life is supposed to be. That kind of growth. Oh, there'll be times when we plane out and we're just conserving and God is working in us, but there's moments of dramatic growth and that's part of what we're describing here it's another parallel it's another description but it's also a picture not only of the benefits of salvation and this growth it's a picture of christ himself this water that we talk about in the wells of our salvation or this water that jesus said you're to come and drink from which is himself is telling us that he is himself our refreshing he is our life-giving savior he's not only our savior but he is salvation itself He's not only our life giver, but He is the life. And when we drink in His life, He makes our lives a verdant, vibrant, green place in a desert world. Now look, at this is all hard to explain. There's a number of experiences that we have communicated to us in Scripture that go beyond their experiences and they go beyond knowing simply because we know what the Greek word is here, and the noun means this, and the verb means this, and it's in this certain context. And we still, even if we can be very accurate and technical about dividing up and understanding these words, we'll never really know what they mean because they're words that are expressive of an experience. And you won't really know what they mean until you experience it for yourself. And then as you read it, you'll... No, what he's talking about. So, Revelation 3.20, Jesus says, I stand at the door and I knock, and if anybody hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come into him and I'll sup with him and he with me. And here's a picture of Christ knocking on the doors of our hearts. And when we open our heart and life up to him, he says, I'll come inside of you 
and I'll have a meal with you inside of you. Now, what does that mean, honestly? What does that mean, to have the Lord Jesus eating a meal inside of you? Well, (laughs) I don't know how to describe that to you. It's indescribable. All I know is that when another person has had the same experience, we know what it means. We know what it means to have him feasting in our lives, enriching himself within our own hearts. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He said that you're to take of me and you're to eat of me and eat my flesh. Well, what does that mean? That was scandalous when he first said it. But if you come to Christ and you realize that he's the only one ultimately can satisfy every basic necessity of your life, you say, Jesus, I take of you, I take of you. Well, you experience something. I can't break this down for you in the technology of the words. You have to experience it to know it. Same is true when it says that we can drink of him and out of our being will flow rivers of living water. Well, what does that mean? What's it like to have a flood of a tide of water flowing out from your life, being so filled with the Spirit of God poured into you that it can't just stay in you, it displaces itself to everything around you? What's that like? What does that mean? Well, you won't know until you experience it. But you should want to experience it. You should want that thing. You should desire that thing. I want you to know, by the way, that I'm I'm not speaking about something that is an addition to the Christian life, something that is for the extra special super-Christians. I'm talking about something that is to be the normative experience of the Christian life. There have been different names for this that people have given to it. They've called it the deeper life. They've called it the higher life. They've called it the Christ life or the spirit-filled life or the abiding life or the victorious life. Watchman Nee called it the normal Christian life. It's what God intends for us. It's the picture of a life that is ascending into Christ, growing in Christian holiness and sanctification, a life where our spiritual powers are expanding and Christ is dominating over our flesh and gaining the victory, and Christ is working through us to express the fragrance of that victory everywhere we go. That's God's purpose. That's God's intent. That's what is available to us, you might say, when we draw from this will. Well, we could lament that this is not where many in North American Christianity are today. You may lament that the reality is that although you've passed the test of the experiences of personal salvation, you may lament that your life is at a stalemate, it's at a standstill, and you're not going deeper, that you're finding what's defined your life over the last number of years is an increasing negativity. Increasing sense of failure, increasing sense of motionlessness. What's the answer for you? What's the answer for us? What's the answer for the church? First, we've got to go back to the well. We've got to go back to where our fathers, our spiritual fathers, went and found the great truths that we can draw from and drink from. So we've got to go back to this well, which is ultimately Jesus Christ. There are other things that we'll identify as we go through this series. But we've got to get back to the well, and when we get back to that well, we've got to understand one thing, one thing first. This water in the well is necessary. That's the first thing. This water in the well is 
necessary. We need it. Isaac is forced from the region that he's in, where he's thriving among the Philistines. King Abimelech pushes him out of that region. He returns to the place where his father has settled long before, to the land where his father has had his servants dig multiple wells, and given each well a name with a blessing upon it. And when he returns, he finds that the well is filled with rubble that his enemy who has pushed him out has also filled up the place where he could find resource for himself. And now he has great herds and he's got great amount of servants and he's got a large family and gathering around him of people, expanding network of kinship and he needs to get to that well, doesn't he? He needs to get to that water. He's not thinking it would be preferable to have the water in that well. This would be an enhancement to the experience of my life. This would be something extra special. No. He knows it's something that is absolutely essential for his life, for his family, for his herds. In fact, they will not last without it. They will die of thirst in a dry up from the inside out. And so he immediately goes about to redigging that well. Well, this is where we're at. This is what we need ourselves. We must see that it's necessary. It's something that we must give ourselves to, that this is not somehow an addition to our life, an addition to our experience, but this is something that's absolutely vital to the testimony and declaration of the Christian life. In fact, if we're not experiencing the life that springs from this well, springing through our life, if we're not drinking of Christ and He's not flooding through our life, then we are giving a false advertisement to the world. They're looking on to us and we're telling them that our faith is such that God brings heaven down to earth and he takes men from earth up to heaven. And if we cannot demonstrate that he can bring the power of heaven down to earth through our lives, they're going to think that what we have to say is a fraud. It's not real. It's not genuine. They're going to mock at us as individuals who are sincerely espousing silliness. They have a right to do so. If he's not changing us, if he's not transforming us, if he's not infusing us with such an experience of his own life that though men might deny it, they, they see it anyhow. They deny what they're seeing with their own eyes. Though men might revile us, they have to revile us for the good work that God is doing in our life and nothing else. Well, then we are actually lending in the currents of their own skepticism. We're actually lending an argument that Christianity and Christ's claims are a fraud. No, this is necessary. It's necessary for our lives. It's necessary for our witness in this world. It's necessary. We can't be without it. This is where we get to the next point in the message. Not only is this needed, but this need must be demonstrated by a certain angst, which means a desperate desire, a desperate longing. There are all kinds of things today that we say we need, and they're not needs. The word has been cheapened to give an expression for anything that we want at any given time to satisfy any little given impulse. I oftentimes tell people when they go with me overseas, what's going to be the major impact of their travel with me to other countries? And I tell them, well, the first thing it's going to do is it's going to totally redefine your definition of need. (laughs) We use the word so easily here. So please understand when I say this water in the well is needed, It's not needed in the way that we've become accustomed to use the term need. All right? We're talking about something that is essential. That it's a basis of life. 
and that we realize that we cannot really go on and live life without it. And when you know you need something like that, when you don't have it, when it's remote from you, you're insecure, you're unsettled, you're ill at ease, you have angst, you're desperate. In fact, there's a lot of singing that we give talking about the wonderful need of this spiritual blessing that God gives us, and we celebrate it, but at the same time, the reality that we really sense that we need it doesn't seem to be evident. Because if it was evident, I actually believe there would be a lot more miserable, anxious, desperate Christians around when they're not experiencing it. When Isaac came to that well and he saw that the enemies had forced rubble into it, although he may have known that in the past there had been water and there had been streams underneath all that rubble, he wasn't secure in his past knowledge. He wasn't secure that he had a theological understanding of where the water was. He wasn't secure until he could himself dip his hands into that moisture and feel it springing up and know that maybe the spring had dried up. Maybe the reason rubble was there was it was just a hazard that was being filled to keep someone from falling in it because there was nothing of value in it anymore. What does he know? Unless he's able to drink from it again. And so he's desperate and he's passionate. I think you can see where we're going. You'll not experience that spiritual power of the spirit-renewed life until you know that you can't live the Christian life without it and until you become desperate for it. Let's not rush this. Let's explore together a true and proper sense of need and desperation before all that God would give us in Christ. More of this in our next broadcast. You've been listening to The Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. For a copy of this message, just call us at 208-331-4096. Until the next time, God bless you.